Hello, welcome to Central Valley Physicians Podcast. My name is Nicole Butler, and I'm from Fresno Madera Medical Society. Today, we are going to talk about thyroid, and I have Dr. Vera Carapanini here, and she's a clinical assistant professor at UCSF Fresno. Welcome. Thank you. Um, okay, so thyroid. This is a topic I know very little about, so I'm excited to talk to you and, and, and hear everything. So tell me a little bit of what the thyroid does for the body. And first of all, it's located in your neck, correct? Yep. Okay. It's a butterfly-shaped organ. It's uh, located right above your clavicles uh, in front of your windpipe. Um, and it's usually pretty small unless it gets bigger for many different reasons, which which maybe we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, but it has a lot of different functions, mainly uh, metabolic functions, uh, heart and digestive uh, it works for muscle control, ba- brain development, uh, for mood maintenance, uh, for bone maintenance. Uh, it does rely on iodine in order to make the hormones that it makes to do all of these different functions, but it has a lot of different roles. Um, very small organ does a lot for somebody's yes. body. Yes. And, and both male and female have the same organ. Both and male and female. And it does the same thing. Okay. Yes. So when you hear a lot about... Um, hyperthyroidism. What exactly is that? Is that something that um, everybody will develop at some point in their life? Or is it just, you know, explain the symptoms of it or explain what it is first? So hypothyroidism means low thyroid function. So hypo refers to low. There's also hyper, which is refers to high thyroid function. Um, So there's two different flavors of dysfunction of the thyroid. Uh, Hypothyroidism is usually an autoimmune disorder. Although sometimes it can be from inflammation for many different reasons, like if you get sick or around the time of pregnancy. But the most common disorder is a disorder that's autoimmune. And that means that you have antibodies in your in your body and they are attacking a part of your thyroid and causing it to have low function. And what so when they start when it starts low functioning, what are some of the things that somebody would experience or um, feel? Some of the first signs, first of all, it might be subclinical, which means that someone might get a blood test and find that they have hypothyroidism or that they have antibodies to their thyroid but haven't developed low thyroid function yet, and they might not have any symptoms at all. It's nice to catch it when it's like that, especially if you have hypothyroidism without symptoms because then you can start the medication before the symptoms start. But once you have symptoms, it can be things like unexplained weight gain. So I'm eating the same, I have the same exercise regimen, and for some reason I just can't lose weight or I keep gaining weight. Dry skin can be part of it. Uh, Some people complain of hair loss as well, feeling fatigued all the time, feeling cold all the time. Those are definitely symptoms concerning for hypothyroidism. The tricky part is that they can overlap with other disorders too, so they're not very specific. Okay. And simple blood tests? Yeah, simple blood tests that looks at the thyroid hormones that are circulating in the body. Then there's also a hormone that the brain controls. Uh, That's important to get that one too. And then you can also test for the presence of antibodies with the blood test. So these antibodies, is this something that... that if somebody's going to have hypothyroidism that they carry their entire life? They'll always have the antibodies present. Okay. Uh, and so the only target for those antibodies is the thyroid, which is the good news because it's not a syndrome that affects all different parts or all different organs in your body. So if the point of these antibodies is to destroy thyroid function, the good news is that we have thyroid hormone readily available in pill form that 
for 95% of the population will do the job just fine and take over your thyroid hormone. So if you don't have these antibodies, because, so does everybody have to have the antibodies in order to have the, the, um, the syndrome or the disease? Well, Hashimoto's disease is, is what we call the presence of those, those antibodies okay. in the autoimmune disorder that causes hypothyroidism. But if you have thyroiditis, just inflammation from various different disorders, such as having, an, having a, a recent illness or being pregnant, having recently been pregnant, sometimes can cause inflammation. That's not related to the autoimmune disorder. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, you know, cause you go down this list and I'm like, well, that's kind of me and that's, well, that's not me and that's kind of me, but that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> so you just, it, it, it can yeah. be different in everybody. And it's common. I have a lot of patients who, who come to me thinking that it's their thyroid that's causing them to have the symptoms that I just mentioned. And, um, and a lot of times it's not, but it's important to be able to rule it out because a lot of those symptoms can't be helped, but if they were related to the thyroid dysfunction, they could easily be helped okay. with a okay. pill. Wow. Um, if somebody, if this is, what are some of the risk factors if it, it is not developed or is not diagnosed in the, at all? So if you have hypothyroidism that hasn't been treated, you can continue to have weight gain. You can continue to have, you know, dry skin, feel cold, depressed mood, fatigue. It can progress, you know, in very rare instances, and this is exceedingly rare in this country, uh, but it can progress to uh, being obtunded and not being able to actually function uh, from a neurologic and mental standpoint, and it can cause a lot of swelling in your whole body. And I have seen that exceedingly rarely, but I have actually seen that in in, um, in patients who are non-compliant post-thyroidectomy with taking their thyroid hormone. If you don't take it for three or four weeks and you don't have a thyroid, then that's going to happen. Okay. And I want to talk about the, the surgery piece of it too, but is the... Is the I guess I guess my question is is so what if somebody is thinking that they're having they're having some of these symptoms and I think the one I I feel that most people equate to it is is the weight gain. I mean how much weight I mean is it just different in every people? So if somebody gained 10 pounds in a year and is feeling some of those other symptoms should they come see a doctor? Yeah, it's because of the thyroid function testing is just so simple to do. Okay. So if anybody who has unexplained weight gain, or even if you think it's explained weight gain, but you think it's out of proportion to what you would be expecting for what you're doing, and, and people know their body best, there's no harm in getting thyroid function tested. The, the worst thing that could happen would be for somebody to say, it's not your thyroid. And so, and that test can be done pri- primary care office, I'm assuming. Yeah, primary okay, care so they don't have to go do see it. a specialist No, they don't that. need to. Um, and it's, it's a very simple blood test that can virtually rule out thyroid dysfunction. Okay. You don't need to test the antibodies. If the thyroid functions are normal, then the, the fact that you have You're antibodies. The assumptions, yeah. Yeah, you can make the assumption. So you may have antibodies and it hasn't progressed and it may never progress to mm-hmm. hypothyroidism, um, even though you have the antibodies consistent with Hashimoto's disease. Um, but it, it's a nice little piece of information to know if you have antibodies because it might predict what could happen in the future. Okay. So, you know, so the other thing is, is thyroid nodules. So that's different than the, um, hypothyroidism. Right. (laughs) So what, what exactly are those? So thyroid nodules are very common. About 60% of people have thyroid nodules and most of us that have them don't even know it. Uh, A lot of people that come to my office with thyroid nodules found it on a CT scan that they were doing for a CT chest. And then they just went a little higher and they saw, oh, there's thyroid nodules on there. Um, or a primary care physician will feel some fullness in the neck. 
And so they're very common. Um, and, and a lot of people may not know they have them. But the good news is the vast majority of those, about 80% of those will be benign. Okay. So it's important to know which ones to be concerned about. Because while I see a lot of benign thyroid nodules, I also do see quite a lot of thyroid cancer. And so, uh, so it takes, because they're so common, the nodules are so common in general, it, it takes uh, some discretion to know which ones to be worried about. And how do you do that? Because, I mean, it's, some, it's inside your neck, so it's not something you can, I mean, are they biopsying them, or are you just looking through ultrasound? Or Yeah, so we first start with an ultrasound. So if you have had a CT or an MRI and it shows a thyroid nodule, that's an inadequate exam for the, ultra, for the thyroid. The ultrasound is really the best way to see all of the nodules. You can see sub-centimeter nodules, something that's two millimeters on the thyroid, you can see on an ultrasound, and you won't see it on the CT scan. Things like calcifications might not show up as well on a CT. So you really want to get a thyroid ultrasound by hopefully an experienced sonographer. Mm-hmm. And thankfully we have many of those here in Fresno. Um, and then in terms of determining whether it needs to be biopsied or if it can just be followed, the ultrasound is really good at that too. So if you have a good ultrasound um, technician, a good machine and a good person interpreting those images, then you can tell a lot from just the ultrasound without having to biopsy a nodule. And that's good because we know that 80% of nodules are benign. So why do we want to go doing an invasive procedure for a nodule that we can be reassured is benign? And these nodules, are they, I mean, is it just kind of something that somebody develops? Is it something that they're doing that's poor in their diet or hereditary? No. So it can run in families. We don't actually know um, much about the molecules or genes that cause benign thyroid nodules to grow. We do know that it runs in families, but we're not exactly sure how. There's not a lot of funding for benign thyroid growths because they don't don't change anybody's (laughs) lifespan or lifestyle usually. Um, And in this country with uh, with iodine in all of our salt, having an iodine deficiency goiter is exceedingly uncommon. Um, and so so they we don't have all that much information on benign growth. I get asked that a lot. And unfortunately, I do know some of the genes and molecules related to thyroid cancer, but not for benign growth. Okay. So if somebody is diagnosed with thyroid cancer, how, how is that um, how is that treated? With thyroid cancer. Mm-hmm. So thyroid cancer... The first question you want to ask is, has this spread? So if it hasn't spread outside of the nodule itself, then you want to know how big the nodule is. So the American Thyroid Association states that for a nodule that is four centimeters or less, you can just take out the half of the thyroid where that cancerous nodule is. And then that has the a benefit of you know slightly reduced surgical risk as well as you keep the other half of your thyroid. And if you keep the other half of your thyroid, then you might have a chance of not having to take thyroid hormone, mm-hmm. which is a big deal, especially for young people. They may not be taking medication every day. And if they're not taking any medicines and now you're all of a sudden telling them for the rest of their whole life they're going to have to take thyroid hormone, that's a big deal. Um, and thyroid cancer is a very indolent, lazy type of cancer, generally speaking. And so, so sometimes less is more. Mm-hmm. However, there is a countercurrent too, where we see that sometimes, you know, the surveillance that is required with keeping half of the lobe and you have to ultrasound it every six months, uh, there's always a chance that it could come back in the other lobe, which can cause anxiety. Uh, and so it's not always the best option to just take half of it out. Sometimes it's the best option to just take the whole thing out. Um, and that is really a discussion between the surgeon and the patient. And all of this presupposes that it hasn't traveled anywhere, hasn't traveled to any of the lymph nodes in the neck. If it's traveled to lymph nodes in the neck, there's no question we got to take the whole thyroid out. out. Right. And so that's a, a surgery. Is it fairly invasive? 
know if it's ever... uh, classified as a low risk surgery. Okay. Uh, the the most invasive part of thyroid cancer surgery is when we have to do a neck dissection. So a modified radical neck dissection is what we call it. And it's basically where we remove all the lymph nodes on the side of the neck uh, that contain the cancer where the metastasis is. Uh, and there's a lot of important nerves and a lot of important uh, vessels and structures in that area. So the risks are a little bit higher. And so you want to go to somebody who does this all the time mm-hmm. so that you can um, ensure that those important structures are preserved. So you talked about this this thyroid um, hormone that somebody could take. So th- that's if a, uh, a portion of your thyroid is moved or the whole thyroid? Uh, to have to take thyroid hormone, generally speaking, well, for sure, if we take the whole thyroid out. If you take half the thyroid out, then approximately 75% of people will be okay with just their own thyroid lobe that's left behind. But if you have antibodies, if you have Hashimoto's disease, you're probably going to end up on thyroid hormone because okay. you, your thyroid wasn't working well to begin with anyway. Okay. And so that medication just helps you break, helps do what the, the thyroid would do as far as the... Yes. Okay. So the, the thyroid hormone's job is to make one hormone and it, it, that's, called levo, that's called T4 or what people take at home, levothyroxine. So T4 gets converted to T3 in your body. So that's why we give patients the the T4 because the body can still convert the T4 to T3 even though they don't have their thyroid um, in place. And so that is in that pill. It's the same molecular structure as what your own body makes. And does your thyroid ever just kind of stop working? It can. Um, you can have inflammatory disorders of your thyroid in addition to the autoimmune disorders. You know, we talked about the Hashimoto's disease. Uh, and then there are other autoimmune disorders that can cause dysfunction of the thyroid. Um, But if you don't have an autoimmune disease, then inflammation can cause it to stop working temporarily, Mm -hmm. uh, which is rare and usually a clinical diagnosis. You can't find it on a blood test. Okay. And then that's just something you just try to get the inflammation down, you'll be fine again? Yeah. Okay. It's usually temporary. It's it's amazing that that small organ does so much for your body. Yeah, it really is. So um, the thyroid replacement therapy we talked about are there things that people can do as far as day-to-day lifestyle diets that would help if they had um, any type of thyroid disease so if it depends on the thyroid disease I, I would say if you have hyperthyroidism or high high thyroid function there's not really much that you can do um, if you have hypothyroidism uh, and you're on thyroid hormone specifically that um, I would avoid iodine-containing foods. You know, most of us are not taking a bunch of iodine, but I do occasionally come across patients who are taking a lot of kelp, a lot of seaweed, and that has a lot of iodine in it. And that can be that can confuse the thyroid hormone that you're taking because iodine interacts with the thyroid function. It will interact with the thyroid hormone that you're taking. And then when we go to measure the thyroid function, it might be off because of the iodine in, that you're taking into your diet. Um, having said that, if you're doing the same exact thing every day and you're being consistent, then it's not hard to monitor a thyroid function, even if you are doing a lot of iodine in your diet. But other than that, there's really nothing else um, okay. diet-wise. There, there are theories on it. Um, there are even books written on the thyroid diet. Um, and the data on that is lacking. So I would say from a, from a data-driven standpoint, I, I can't comment on that um, and just say that, that iodine is better to stay away from that, especially if you're on thyroid hormone. Okay. So is, is Graves' disease a p- 
a piece of this or is this something totally different? Graves is hyperthyroidism, basically. And so just like Hashimoto's has a special name, Graves is another name for an autoimmune disorder with a different type of antibody. And that antibody happens to activate the thyroid as opposed to deactivate it. Okay. So what what would be your best advice if somebody... um, you know, was experienced some of these symptoms and or they had a family history of Hashimoto's or um, hypothyroidism with these antibodies, what would you recommend to them? So if if you have a family history, but you don't have it yourself yet known. So I would recommend a simple blood test. Uh, You know, I actually have Hashimoto's disease and it was found when I was 17 and I was totally asymptomatic. And as far as I knew, you know, from what I know now, but an astute physician decided to check it. And I don't know if he checks it in every teenage girl, um, but it's just so common to have antibodies, particularly Hashimoto's disease. It's quite common to okay. have those antibodies. And and if it is as common, you know, I, I've read some, um, some population reports that show up to 50% of people will have antibodies to their thyroid causing hypothyroidism or predisposing to hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. So because it's such an easy thing to fix and can have so many any different indolent consequences to your life, it's, I think people should just check it. Yeah, just ask their primary care provider. And, yeah. Okay. And is it something you just have checked once or could it change, you know, because you mentioned not the antibodies piece of it, but if you feel like you're having some um, issues, blood tests came back clear, but then you had, you know, you were sick or you had a pregnancy, like you mentioned, should they be checked again? Or is it, does it change that much, I guess? Yeah. So not usually. No, if you have no family history and you have no symptoms and check it once, it's it's not going to change. Okay. Um, If you do have a family history uh, or you have any symptoms, then I would check it yearly. Uh, just because things can change. And if you don't have antibodies, and you know, sometimes the antibodies aren't checked, but if they're checked and they're negative and you have normal thyroid function, it's very unlikely that person is going to develop thyroid dysfunction um, in a way that would require any thyroid hormone replacement or any type of intervention. Um, and around pregnancy, you know, it's, it's very tightly controlled because the, the goal for your thyroid function is to be a little bit higher than normal and it just constantly changes. So in general, it's checked after surgery or after, um, after delivery just to make sure that it goes back to normal. Okay. And some people need thyroid hormone just for pregnancy, and then they want to. You have to check it after just to make sure that you can come off of the thyroid hormone. Yeah, being pregnant messes your body up. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah. Well, is there anything I'm forgetting to ask, or that that you want to talk about this topic? Um, I think it's fascinating, and I think a lot of people, you know, this is one of those things that you hear more and more about as people are either diagnosed or have issues with their high thyroid. Yeah, um, I think it's really good to to ask your primary care provider questions about your thyroid. And if you have symptoms that you think may be related, you know, reading about thyroid function, I would say certainly bring it up uh, because it may or may not be related. But if it is related, a simple blood test will tell. Um, and if it is related, it's a very easy thing to fix, generally speaking, for the vast majority of people. And if it isn't related, it's good to know that too because even though some of my patients seem to be um, – pretty disappointed that it isn't their thyroid it's important information to know what it isn't Mm -hmm, so that we can look for what it is Mm -hmm. 
um, instead of continuing to think that it's the thyroid. Um, so both of those things are important. Um, and I'm always all for checking thyroid function because of, again, it's just such an easy thing to fix with a pill if it really is thyroid dysfunction. Um, and then also to keep in mind, thyroid nodules almost always are unrelated to thyroid dysfunction. So the fact that you have a growth on your thyroid, it probably has nothing to do with your thyroid function. The thyroid function is usually going to be normal, even with nodules. Okay. And this is both men and women. There's no reason yeah. it's not, it doesn't pick a gender. It just Well, women are more predisposed to hypothyroidism in general, for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, women are more predisposed to many autoimmune conditions. So the vast majority of my patients are women. And actually, with males, especially um, especially with thyroid nodules, I'm a little more aggressive, a little bit more concerned, because if cancer is present in a male, it's usually more aggressive. Okay. Um, and so if you have a thyroid nodule and you're a male, uh, certainly check it out. Or if you feel a lump in your neck, uh, request an ultrasound or a physical exam, which may lead to an ultrasound, um, specifically for nodules. Okay. But certainly for thyroid dysfunction, it's more common in women. Very good information. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming today. Um, thank you for having me. You're a wealth of knowledge, so I'm sure you'll be back in the future talking about a different topic. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, doctor.